Hey friends, it's Quinn. Uh, real fast before we start this week's episode of Known, just want to invite you into a new resource that we've created at Humble Daily called Humble Daily Audio Devotionals. You can go to the show notes and click the link or you can look up Humble Daily Devotionals anywhere that you listen to podcasts. What we've done is that we've seen kind of the traction that audio is taking over in our world. People aren't reading as much as they're listening, and our goal has always been to seek to equip you guys so that you can have life-changing, gospel-centered conversations. And so what we're doing is we're audio recording all of our devotionals as an audiobook format to truly invite you into the story. Sometimes when you listen to things like Known, it feels like you're a person sitting at a table listening to other people have a conversation. And what we want to do is make it feel as if you're sitting down, heeding advice from wise people, not just us at Humble Daily, but special guests that we're going to invite in. So we're really excited for this, guys. Go subscribe. Check it out. Humble Daily Devotionals, anywhere you listen to podcasts. We love you guys. Let's get to the episode. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to Known. If you're new with us here, man, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Known is a podcast where we sit down with individuals to talk about the battles and burdens that they've faced in their lives that have helped shape them into all that God has called them to be. My name's Quinn, and I'm with the company Humble Daily that puts on Known, where we seek to spur humility forward in a culture that is seemingly fueled by pride. So guys, we're so excited for this episode today. Uh, just two guys that really are getting after it, two guys that are in ministry, two guys that uh, have grown up in ministry as their dads were both pastors. And so I think you're really going to be encouraged by what these guys have learned. They just got out of the Watermark Institute, which is a training program at Watermark Church down in Dallas, Texas. Uh, and man, it's just, it's so encouraging and inspiring to talk to these guys, to hear their biblical literacy, to hear how they apply it to their lives, and just to see that God, the ways that God has blessed them in it. And so, man, we're just so grateful for Cooper and JD, and we just hope that you're going to get a lot out of this. Before we get rolling, just want to talk about the people that make this all possible. Uh, this season's sponsor, which is New Ethics Formulations. You can go to newethics.com in the show notes, and you can click that link, and you can use the code KNOWN for 15% off of any of their products. You guys, their products are some of the most scientifically researched and clean products on the market, uh, and they just operate in all honesty and transparency, and we're just encouraged by the way that they do that. So go check them out, uh, whether you need protein, whether you need sleep aids, whether you need whatever it is. I personally use them and personally yoke myself to them as I, I understand what they're doing and love the way that they're operating and how they're carrying themselves in a market that's typically full of deception. So go use code known at newethics.com and check them out. Before we get rolling, guys, just want to be fully transparent with you. Uh, this podcast was recorded in Dallas, Texas. And like I said, in most of the episodes before, it was a pre-recorded podcast. And so any mention to or lack of mention of events is not a reflection of JD and Cooper. It's just the fact that the events had not taken place yet uh, when the podcast was recorded. And so not only that, guys, when flying back from Dallas, something happened to my external hard drive. And for some reason, it ducked out about 30 seconds of the audio about six minutes in. I'll come back on the microphone and tell you when that is. Uh, but yeah, so don't be weirded out by that. You'll hear my voice again at about the six to seven minute mark around there. Um, but yeah, I think you guys are really going to be encouraged by this. I know I'm encouraged by JD and Cooper, the way that they live their lives, the way that they lead, and just the way that they really fully submit and move in the way that God has called them to. And so guys, you're going to be encouraged. Trust me on this one. If I have any credibility with you, listen to this one to the whole way through. Love you guys. Hey, what's up, guys? Sitting down for a really uh, special episode today with two guys that I respect a lot. Um, haven't got to spend a lot of time with them, but very encouraged by the way they're choosing to live their life and uh, and walk in the calling that God has put before them. Uh, so one of these guys is Mr. J.D. Rogers. How you doing, J.D.? Doing good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Mr. Cooper Wagner. It's a pleasure to be here, guys. Heck yeah. So let's just start with a little bit like, who are you guys? Um, for people who don't know, um, 
maybe we we usually are interviewing athletes and things like that. Oh, you, you guys, guys are just you guys, guys. Are, yeah, we're staying in the right the <laughs> yeah. same lane. You know, so glad we could be here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I had to skip a workout to be here. Yep, same. <laughs> Co- coach is pretty upset, but you're yeah. worth it. <laughs> oh man, I love it. So JD, what's a little bit of your backstory? We'll start with you. Um, yeah, I know a little bit of it. Yeah, but I'll be learning here too. So totally joking, in no way, shape, or form an athlete. However, uh, was born in a small town in East Texas, uh, near Longview, Texas, called Union Grove, and grew up a pastor's kid. Um, my dad and my mom came to know the Lord when I was seven, and then I quickly started getting into the church and Christian scene. However, uh, really started to, I, I would say I became a Christian after my freshman year of college. Before that, it was pretty works-based and uh, a false gospel that I believed. And so after my freshman year of college, I accepted the Lord. And uh, before that, I was pursuing music. I was okay. a band nerd, actually. So you're really going you're <laughs> going off script here. Um, I was a drummer, and I quickly knew that I wanted to be in ministry, that I wanted to be about helping people discover what I had discovered. So I changed my major. And life's kind of just been crazy since then. There's a lot in there uh, that we can talk about more, but now I'm in Dallas. I just finished the Institute, the Watermark Institute, a 10 month intensive Bible training um, program. And now I am staying in Dallas and hopping on with Watermark Community Church full time, working for uh, their Tuesday night young adult ministry, The Porch. Love it. Yeah. Heck yeah, Coop. Well, how about you? We'll dive into some of that, but. Yeah, so I uh, was raised in Dallas and got to be a part of Watermark actually since a very young age. Uh, I mean, since the beginning of Watermark, my dad is the senior pastor there. And so got to kind of be raised in a really healthy church. I had a, similar to JD, I mean, like we just went through Romans. So it's funny to like, I'm I, my all my thought process is yeah. through Romans lens now. If JD was like a works-based kind of salvation, mine would have been like a, the moral man in, yeah. Genesis, in Romans 2. Where I just loved the idea of morality, I I saw the benefits of being a Christian, like how life was, how it would just go well with people, and not in a health, wealth, prosperity way, but just in a God, the good life is with when you walk with Christ, and got to see that from a lot of people around us, um, and I I loved the idea that everybody thought that I was the same person that they were, mm-hmm. and so just had I was a very moral kid, was involved in everything with the church, was the all-star kid in the youth ministry, was a really, all that my teachers loved me at school, and I kind of, I stood out from all my friends in a way, but I, my faith wasn't my own. I uh, had a lot of secret sin, mm-hmm. and just in the sexual pornography world, and uh, and I would never do any sin that was like public. I wouldn't yeah. drink, I wouldn't have sex with a girl, I wouldn't do any of that, but I just, mm-hmm. I had this secret life. And uh, that kind of was like my junior, senior year of, or sorry, my freshman through junior year of high school. Senior year, I kind of got exposed and then uh, went to Arkansas my freshman year of college. Really had friends there through Kanakuk that I was just like, it's a pretty place. I want to go hiking and <laughs> didn't go to school while I was there, even though I was enrolled in school. So my parents invited me to come back home and mm, uh, a warm invitation, warm invitation, <laughs> came back home, took a semester off, kind of plugged back in. I mean, not kind of plugged back into watermark and i think for the first time was like okay i got to figure out what i believe i got to figure out who which am i going to serve myself and do things for my own benefit or am i going to serve god and am i going to surround myself with people who are going to push me towards that and so i think my freshman year of uh sorry my sophomore year of college 
which is really when I, I just took a semester off, is when for the first time I was like, okay, this isn't about me. Uh, I'm going to surrender my life to the Lord. He's not only my Savior, he's my Lord. We can't pick and choose what aspects of Jesus we get. And uh, and my my life started to look a lot different in how I lived it and why I lived like I did. So, And then, like JD, just finished the Institute. Loved it. Great experience. We so. literally finished three days ago. Heck yeah. So... Long time coming. Yeah. I always say it's the best thing I would probably never do again. Yeah, well, especially the way we did it. Exactly. It was, it was <laughs> miserable and amazing at the same time. Yeah, so true. There's a lot to learn from these last 10 months. Hey guys, this is a little blip that I had talked about in the beginning where the audio had ducked out for about 30 seconds. Uh, after JD and Cooper had introduced themselves, I asked them the question, being that they're both pastor's kids, uh, what it was like finding their own faith and moving into their own faith and out from under their parents' faith. Uh, and we're going to jump back in about 10 seconds into Cooper's answer. He loved God, but he didn't really love me. And so I think and, and you see A.W. Tozer, one of the most famous writers, Christians, there's no downline, right? We don't know any of his kids' names. They didn't have any impact in ministry from what we know. And so I think there's there's these these pastors who just don't spend time with their families. And so their kids go off and they do crazy. They, they go party at school. And, and that's one camp of pastors' kids is crazy, reject the faith, prodigal children. And then the other camp is, I think, with pastors who balance ministry and, and their primary ministry, which is family, the most – that their kids, by and large, grow up in the faith, trust God, and they see they see the faith of their family and their fathers, and they walk in those same steps. And so I think that I've gotten to experience the second, by and large, whether it was from just wanting to look like that and then the second half of my life choosing to live in that. Um, but, I, I mean, I would say those are the two camps. And so and, and it depends on... And so it's the charge that I, that I would give to dads and to pastors. And it's not just to pastors. It's to, you can insert any field of listener where it's like, um, you may be an accountant, you may be a lawyer, you may be a pastor. All three, you should be the pastor of your family. And if you, if you aren't that, your kids aren't going to know the God that you love and serve. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, I would say for me, I think what can happen with with pastors kids or ministry kids is those that are equipping and discipling let's say like you're in a normal class of like eighth graders the pastor's kid almost gets like a a less amount of attention attention and like pursuit because it's like well his dad's the pastor so like he's getting this i should focus on the whatever kid and i would just say I would push back against that because what pastors and minister ministry kids get really good at is faking it and putting on a mask to hide because they put so much expectations on themselves. And because they think I have to portray an image to like bring like honor to my parents who are a part of this church, I'm not allowed to mess up and make mistakes like everyone else is. And the thing is, is the enemy is the same for those kids like he is for anyone else. And so they're still struggling with, temptation and pornography temptation and uh, secret sin and all those different things. But what the enemy is going to do to them is bring in this, uh, this like false reality of, Hey, if people find out like you're held to a higher standard. So if people find out not only are you disqualified, but so is your family. Mm -hmm. And so, because if you have this, this really big struggle and everyone finds out, 
well then it does it make everything that your parents are doing illegitimate mm-hmm. um when in reality your parents are just they're not mind readers and like they can do everything they want but if you're really hiding it you can hide it even if they're pastors even if they're in ministry and so parents can only do so much any parent and i would say don't let off the gas with ministry kids just because you assume well they're getting it at home uh they're probably just hiding it really well yeah and and in that same vein it's like sometimes i think the devil is really good at speaking that lie into pastors kids specifically here and then other times pastors families speak that lie into mm-hmm. their families where it's like hey we cannot no one can know what's going on here yeah right like don't no one can know that so-and-so is smoking weed no one can know that they're sleeping around like we're just gonna not talk about that outside of this household yeah. and it's just dysfunctional to get pregnant or something yeah it's, it's like the, the the gospel isn't true of them which is funny because that's what they're like proclaiming from the pulpit and so it's just i would say weakness like it, it's almost like you can let there be less room for weakness to be your leading voice mm-hmm. and you almost have to portray strength and i'm i'm more mature than the other people my age and i would say be mindful as older people speaking into children's lives who their parents are in ministry or pastors because what you could actually unintentionally be doing is feeding that by saying man you're doing so good how do y'all raise your kids like this mm-hmm. you know how do y'all how are, why are they so obedient but if they're being obedient because mom and dad are, you know, in ministry, not because they understand, you know, the gospel, then it's just feeding that workspaced image mentality. Yep. So just say, be mindful. Yeah. hundred percent. Let them be weak. Like give open invitation for your kids and for ministry kids to be super broken and messed up because they're, they're not with, they don't have, it's no different for them for sure. That's good. That's good. So what's your advice to people that are kind of wrestling to find their faith under maybe uh, a really strong faith above them in a parent? Um, and, and they're just, they're maybe struggling with some of those weaknesses of like, maybe I'll never measure up. Maybe I'll never get to that level um, or whatever that is. Maybe they've, they've put on the clothes of their parents' faith uh, and it's time to kind of walk in their own steps and, and God's calling them into their, into their own giftings and into some of their own areas. Um, yeah. So what's your advice to for, for in your own life, how you guys did that and how you found your faith outside of just your parents' faith? Uh, and what could be maybe some encouragements to other people who are currently walking that road? Yeah, I'll, I would say that happened to me. Uh, I wore my, my family's faith for until I was 18. And it took me seeing how messed up I was to actually understand that I needed, that I had never received actual like personal, like I had not received the gospel personally. And all the, if you continue to do that, it falls through eventually because their faith can only get you so far and it's going to be weak because it's not yours and it's never, it was never meant to be yours. And so I know for me, I just find myself at the bottom of nothing. And I, I, I basically was found like a fraud because everything had been about works. And so what, ha- what it took for me is like I was on a mission trip with people who actually had their own faith and were confident in who they are. And I was so insecure because I knew I didn't. And so I, I, you only can say what your dad says for so long. And then eventually it's like, but what do you say? And it's like, but what do you know? And I got in this trip and they were asking me to like verbally say out loud the gospel and I couldn't. And I had been a pastor's kid for all my life. Or, hey, what's your favorite scripture? And I would just like go to the classics and it like I could see their response like being like, 
You know, really? Yeah. John three sixteen. <laughs> exactly. And I was like, wow, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and so it just, it like, it humbled me mm-hmm. truly. Uh, and that's, it just made me accept. I don't know any of this and I'm a fraud. Mm-hmm. And I, and I just had to come to that reality. And what's crazy is when I, the, when I knew I stepped out from my parents' faith is because my faith was no longer about me. It was, it was no, I could like say sins out loud. I could say I'm weak out loud. It was, it was all, it like became, a, it talked way more about God's work than my work. And that was like the telling sign of like, my family was like, you're so different. Like what happened? Uh, and it's because I was others focused. And when you're a fraud, you can't help but like focus on yourself. And so that's what I would, just some stuff I'd say. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I completely agree. I think it's just, it's okay. Like everybody needs to figure out for themselves. So if you're, if you're a person who is specifically a pastor's kid or a ministry kid uh, or just raising a Christian family, I think it's okay to, to question, to find out for yourself because I I think a lot of the reason that people end up not trusting in Christ is because they think they have their whole life and they're like, nothing is different about me or I don't like JD said, it's like I, I have no foundation other than what I've heard my dad say, you know, and, and then your dad dies. And then yeah. like my dad, my dad did. And that's when you really realize, oh, his faith wasn't enough for me because even he can die. Mm-hmm. And what now? Like, I don't have him to turn to. Mm-hmm. And that's when you really wake up and go, oh, I haven't like studied this book, like the Bible on my own. I've just like taken away from his intimacy mm-hmm. and it, so it's like, it's going to fade. It's going to, it's going to fall weak. Mm-hmm. So sorry, keep going. No, you're good. That's, I mean, a great add in. Uh, and I think that just understanding that there's no such thing as a faith that is passed down. Like you can't inherit what your, what your father or what your friends or whoever you're around the most is. And, and I would encourage people like JD said, to like be real with themselves and, uh, and really question like, man, do I believe this or is this something that I'm just around? Because we can easily be influenced and we can kind of adopt different people's, uh, personalities or traits or what they like. And I think that's just the people pleaser in all of us in a lot of ways. But when, when you know for yourself, Hey, this is what I believe. Uh, everybody has to get to a point where they choose that day, like choose today whom you will serve. Right. And I was reading, uh, I am reading right now, A.W. Tozier and uh, Pursuit of God. And I was, I mean, at some point I was going to read this because I think it's just so applicable to our conversation in a lot of ways. Um, but this whole chapter, his book is called The Pursuit of God, or sorry, God's Pursuit of Man. It's a sequel to uh, The Pursuit of God. And um, the first chapter is kind of about understanding that God is all, you know, past, present and future. We have to have a relationship with him in the present. And uh, this paragraph I'm going to read is is talking about the verse that he kind of starts the whole chapter with is as I with Mos- as I was with Moses so I will be with you Joshua one five so he says we cannot rightly think of God until we begin to think of him as always being there and there first Joshua had to learn this he had been so long the servant of God's uh, he had been so long the servant of God's servant Moses and had. Uh, with such assurance received God's word at his mouth that Moses and the God of Moses had become blended in his thinking, so blended that he could hardly separate the two thoughts. By association, they always appeared together in his mind. Now Moses is dead. 
And lest the young Joshua be struck down with despair, God spoke to assure him, As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. Nothing had changed and nothing had been lost. Nothing of God dies when a man of God dies. And I think, I mean, that's the kind of what we're talking about right now is like Joshua had to decide for himself. Like he, he had been around Moses. I've been around Todd Wagner. JD had been around his dad that like we know these truths. Like we knew what Moses believed and I believed what Moses believed, I thought. But then Moses passes away and you're like, wait, what did Moses believe? Who does he believe in? And he didn't have this faith. He didn't have this personal relationship with God that he was rooted in, that he knew this is my next step. This is my next step of faithfulness. And so I would encourage those people and all people, don't let someone else's faith be the faith that you think you believe in, right? Like find your own foundation and because there is only one foundation, right? People die, ideas fade, but God is God remains. And so we just have to find out for ourselves who we believe in. So in it. And just a, if you're if you're listening right now wondering, is this my faith or someone else's I'm riding on? I would say a good question to wrestle with is when circumstances come, when storms hit, what do you find yourself running to? Uh, I think about Romans four, where it's talking about Abraham's faith. And though the odds were stacked against him, he was 100. His wife was barren. It just seemed like there was no way that he was going to have a son, let alone nations bigger than the sand on the sea, the count. Um, but it says that no unbelief made him waver, but he was completely confident that God would do what he said he would do. And Abraham, that's how you knew it was his faith. Like he had faith in God's promises despite his, his circumstances. And for me, before my faith became my own, I ran to everything else. I ran to my dad's faith. I ran to my mom's truth. I ran to others I never ran to God because I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have known how to listen or to recognize or even what to look for or to ask of him because it wasn't my faith. And so that's just a good question to wrestle with. Of like, where do you run to when storms come, when, when life hits, when things change, when life is chaotic? And that could be a really good sign of, um, of like what your faith is in. Mm-hmm. So that dude, that was when I was reading Romans, that was like my, one of my favorite passages right there. It says, I'm just going to read it because it's so worth it. Yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully assured that what God had promised, he was able to perform. Therefore, it was also credited to him as righteousness. Now, not for his own sake only was it written that it was credited, but for the sake, uh, but for our sake also to him, uh, to whom it will be credited. I'm a terrible reader. As those who believe in him, who raised Jesus, our Lord from the dead, he who was delivered over because of our transgression and was raised because of our justification. And it's just like Abraham had that faith. He was just like, man, I, I don't know what's going on around me. I don't know. Uh, God has, God has said this thing and all I can do, that's all I can cling to. I can trust the promises of God cause he will keep them. So, and I didn't know what God had said and promised me cause I didn't know I didn't have my own faith. I didn't read his word. Mm-hmm. I just had only taken what man had said of their time in the word. And that's what is a, one of my fears of the podcast um, generation, of the YouTube generation, of the Instagram mini sermon clip generation. I don't think those things are bad. I think if they are, I think they're meant to be a resource to encourage you to go to the source, which is your intimacy with God. But what happens is, is these pastors spend six to 10 plus hours of intimate time with the, with, in their faith, with their God. And we get 30 seconds to 30 minutes of their hours spending with the Lord. 
and we never we're just getting spoon fed milk and we never know how to go like feed ourselves. And it's because we don't have our own faith. We're riding on the coattails of others faith. And so I just think it's so important Like those things are good, but they're never meant to be the resource. Like they're never meant mm-hmm. to be like, or the source. They're meant to be a resource. Mm-hmm. And so just, again, another question to ask yourself is like, do I spend more time listening to others, mom- others, um, what they were revealed in their intimate time with the Lord. Like, do you know more of what your favorite put in speaker's name? Do you know more of what he has to say about God's word than what God's word has to say about God's word? Mm -hmm. Like, do you know how to study it on your own? Do you want to turn to it before you turn to man? Like, what is your posture towards the word of God? And if it's not the first source of truth and the voice of God that you're turning to, then you got to, you got to rearrange your, priorities yeah and, and that's not to meant, meant to be a shaming thing like there's yeah. there's no shortcut for that other than spending time yeah right like you can't just i think a lot of people because of our the culture we live in now like jd said is there's these mini clips there's podcasts there's tweets there's facebook posts there's like all these shortcuts it's like oh i can get i can understand all of romans in 20 minutes you, you know can turn it up and it's t- double the speed yeah and <laughs> it's but there's no shortcut right like the job of a preacher which jb just jb <laughs> Yeah. JP, <laughs> JB, wow. J, whatever. Justin Bieber, Jonathan yeah. Pluto. How many times have you been called JP since you came to Waterworld? Every day. Yeah. <laughs> Every single day. That was a ge- genuine accident. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it happened to my stand deliver. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you heard that, but um, the job of a preacher is to like press through the veil and spend time with God and then report what you see there. Mm-hmm. Right? Like you just go through, you spend time with God, you uh, you read his word, and then you come back to the masses, which is their job. They're getting paid to do. And you just say, hey, this is what I learned, right? This is like, because it's genuine. They're not, they're not the expert. They don't have the corner on truth. They're just doing what every Christian should do. And so, again, there's no shortcut. Like, you have to spend time with God. And you make time for what you care about. So, yeah. And this could be a good segue. I don't know if you're looking for one, but... That's what I loved about like that's what I loved about in my time at Watermark. He's like, I'm not trying to do your job for you, but <laughs> <laughs> I can't help but think in this way. Yeah. Um, I think one thing I've really appreciated in these last ten months is that is what our leadership at Watermark calls us to, is like, hey, we're all pastors, we're all students of the word, and don't just come and hear what I have to say. Go figure it out on your own. Like, go study it, go know it, go become an expert on the scripture, and. I just don't think a lot of people want to do that. I think like, nah, like I trust you. Like I'll take what you, and then like, like you're saying, like there's no, there's no, the pastor is doing what he, his job is to do. Um, but man, what a shame it would be if you never got to kind of spend that time with God. Like that's what a pastor I think is really called to do is to be like, this is so good. You should go try it. Like you should mm-hmm. go want to go spend time with God. Like I am like, that's what happens to me. I don't necessarily walk away going, man, I'm so glad I learned that from his time. I'm like, I want to believe it. Like he believes it. But mm-hmm. the only way you can believe it is if you experience it yourself. And so that's what this, these last 10 months with the Institute um, has been for me is like, I see all of these leaders that I trust and really appreciate getting up there and it's like, they believe it. They have convictions, Mm -hmm. they believe it. And it comes from that time. And so it's like, it's worth me taking 10 months to get in that, to, uh, to see like, let me test what you're saying. And yeah, the amazing thing is that everybody has that opportunity, right? You, you don't, the Watermark Institute 
which again, we can talk about in a second, is an incredible launching pad, right? But uh, even thinking back, back to the Old Testament, there was only one person who could interact with God it was, and once a year, mm-hmm. right? And now through the blood of Christ, everybody has an opportunity to push through the veil and spend time with God. And, and that is like ultimately what Jesus died for is for us to be back in relationship with God. And we don't do it because yeah. we just don't see the significance. And so it's not like, like JD said, it's the job of a preacher to make us want to do that. And, uh, and we don't. And that's because back to the original question is like, we don't have our own faith a lot of times. And we, we live in this like temporary atheism where we know like things about God, but we think like even reading, reading the whole Bible this year, like we read the God of the old Testament and you're like, man, what an amazing interaction they got to have with God. They saw miracles every day. They saw his provision, you know, pillar of fire by night, cloud by day. Like he gave them the tabernacle to see his holy, like all of these different things. And then you're like, Oh, and then we read the new Testament. We read, you know, first and second Thess. we read revelation. We read these, God is going to come back and do something. He's going to save us. He's going to glorify us. He's going to make the whole whole earth new. Like, oh, man, what an amazing day that will be. But then we don't remember that God is present. Like, we don't remember. And that's, I think, what I learned this year is, like, we read both kind of things, of like, both of those ends of the spectrum, and we read the epistles. And a lot of times we just take, like, the epistles as proverbs where it's like, oh, these are cute little phrases we can learn and say and whatever. But it's like, no, this is how God interacts with us in the present. And it's how we interact with him in the present. And God is a present God. And uh, we don't have to look back on the faith that they have. We don't have to look forward to the faith. Maybe we will get to have. Maybe other Christians will get to have uh, when Jesus comes back. Like, we, this is the same God all the way through. The same triune God we get to interact with. And so mm-hmm. we just have to push through that, like, apathy and that, like, lack of, like just the, the lack of care. And, there, and again, there's no shortcut. You just have to do it. You have to spend time with him. And, uh, and I think that's what marks a, a, a believer. Like if you don't, like it's the song that we have around Watermark. If you don't want more of God, like we would question it. Do you really know him at all? Yeah. So. That's super good. I love one of my favorite quotes from C.S. Lewis is he says, the, the praise is not complete until it's proclaimed. Um, in, in addressing someone who asked him, like, how can an all-powerful God ask us to worship him like is he that needy kind of thing you mm-hmm. know it's like no like the praise isn't complete until it's proclaimed and he knows that that cycle mm-hmm. happens in it what it does in us um and i think that's a litmus test i use of like am i am i wanting to outwardly praise christ because there should be something that he that that's happening in my life that i want to then express what he's done mm-hmm. to other people um and so that's that's something i use and i love i think it ties in well with that so so it sounds like um it sounds like you guys are doing this well and you just got out of an institute and you're doing it and you know your Bible. Some people don't even know where Romans is, right? And so so what are some practical application steps? How can people seek God daily, day to day? What does that look like for you guys in your own walk? And then maybe step it back to like, but hey, when I started, it was like three verses a day. When yeah. I started, <laughs> you know, what did that look like? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'll go first. I think uh, for me right now, it looks like, I mean, this year, I'll give you a brief overview of the institute so that you can know what kind of we did this whole year. Uh, we kind of read Genesis to Revelation, and uh, we, did, we, we skipped the prophets, and we skipped a few books of the New Testament. Um, but we got the whole story. It was the goal. It's like understand the story of the Bible. What has God been doing from creation to when he returns? And, uh, and so we read 
each of those books and we would try so we would get, give each chapter a title and then write a summary and then write the key verse and then if there were anything in there that we were like ah that doesn't really make sense we would put that verse in like a question box uh on our this document we had and we would kind of ask questions in class like hey what, what would you say this verse means we kind of have a dialogue about it so we did that genesis to revelation pretty much and uh and so that was a lot of my time this year was just like reading that reading god's word understanding it um and and a lot of people if a lot like for myself when i was in school i did biblical studies degree and when i was reading it i was like ah oh, this is so academic this is a textbook but the institute did a really good job of they said like the second or third week they're like hey if you're re- if you ever read god's word from an academic perspective and not to see more of god for heart transformation to learn something it doesn't matter what you learn you're reading it wrong and so i kind of shifted my perspective there and i was like okay i don't have to do a quiet time and then go do my study time in the Bible, right? Like those should go together. Like every time we should interact with the word, we should be in a posture of humility, ready to learn. So that was my year really was like a trying to like just grasp, like, what is this? What is the story? What is, uh, what can I learn? What do I have questions about? I mean, a week out now, and we had different apologetic books we read. We had different, uh, you know, spiritual disciplines books and stuff like that. We read Pilgrim's Progress. And so that was the supplemental reading. I like to like when I most of the time read like one chapter of a book kind of like start my I know we say Bible first Bible most my dad just started saying that a lot I actually read a different book first and kind of like try to like kind of wake up my mind Uh, and like I like reading old people because there's there's a lot I mean new books are great too but I like reading like the Puritans the uh, you know old just old pastors I don't know the Puritans I feel like are the only ones who have like their own category uh <laughs> reformers i guess um so i'll read like because sh- they write in short chapters too a lot of times so you can kind of read a chapter in like 10 15 minutes and then i'll go spend time in god's word and um the way i journal is kind of like just write out the principles that i learned and like what does that say about who god is how do i respond to that and then typically a little prayer after that but i mean i do it in the morning because i think that that is uh, just a start your day with just meditating on who God is and let that inform how you kind of do your day, but that's not the only time you can do it. So, yes. So the question just, uh, <laughs> do I even answer the question? <laughs> so wait, <laughs> but I, no, I think you did. I just make yeah, sure I'm did. answering it too. So you said, uh, like, what's that look? So what's like, Oh yeah. What does that look like God? for us? What's and then like how you? can you do it and to start? <laughs> yeah. So like tracing back to like who JD was five, six years ago, what did that look like when you were, really starting to get serious about cultivating a, a depth of relationship with God. Dude, okay. I'll say, I'll answer the second part of that real quick cool. for me while you think about it. Um, I, for me, it was like, I would just read something until I was like, oh, and Blake Holmes is going to hate this. So Blake, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry. <laughs> Blake Holmes on this right now <laughs> is, uh, I would read until something popped, right? Something that I was like, okay, I can apply that. Mm-hmm. Right. It might've been, it might've been the first verse I read in Proverbs it might have been the sixth chapter I read in Genesis where it's like, okay, that makes sense to how I can apply that today. And I think that's like a like a place you can start. I wouldn't stay there. You want to understand context. Blake Holmes calls it the highlighter method where you're just like, ooh, that's cute. Like I'll underline that. But if but genuinely when you're starting, you don't un- there's no way to understand the whole story, the whole like you're gonna have to get discipled. You're gonna have to spend time. And so when you first start, take something that you can apply each day, meditate on it think on it, try to memorize it and, uh, and try to live what scripture is teaching you. So that's, yeah. that's what I used to do. 
Yeah. And, and I think it's, it's changed a little bit recently. Yeah. I would say the best way to stay like hungry and to stay like reminding yourself of who you were when you started is to have disciples. Um, I like to keep, if my guys are getting to a point where like they're, they're feeding themselves, it's time for me to go to the next group and let them, I stay in their life, but Hey, you don't need to keep meeting with me like this anymore. Now it's time for you to start meeting with guys who were like you. And so then I go to the next group of guys that were once like me. And it just, it keeps me in that posture of as they're going to come with questions. And so I have to keep growing where I'm at to be able to inform them. But then two, uh, I think it just reminds you of like, it keeps you that the gospel is everything. And so never get past that in your pursuit of knowledge and your pursuit of knowing more of the story and what this means and the Greek and all those different things. The gospel though is enough and it's what changes lives and it's what changes hearts. And a lot of the Bible is a people who didn't believe that that faith was enough and knowledge was, or the law was. And so I would say what's really been helpful for me in my pursuit of knowing more of God is being near people who are experiencing him for the first time because it stirs my affections and it brings me back to the gospel and my need. And so that's one thing I would just say is helpful with that being said, what I used to do is <laughs> it was the highlighter method for sure. What I would do is I would like read the Bible with through the lens of application and to preach it. So I never got to sit in it. Yeah. Like it was never about my intimate time with God. It's like, okay, how is this going to help others? Yeah. It was all about others and which is pro it's a form of pride because what that means is now I'm thinking through the lens of like, I want to show that I know this and that God's word, like I'm in God's word. And so let me show you. And so it never, it was like always about, it was never about the present reading. It was about the post after. And when I say post, I mean like posting it or telling it. Yeah. And, and so I was never just fully in it. And so, for example, like when Peter steps out of the boat, you know, I would read that story and be like, oh, it's like when God calls us out of into a season of change and storm. And, oh, he took his eyes off Jesus and put it. And I would just make it all about present day application yeah. and didn't but, care about context. But it's part of that because of like so many pastors, some of the biggest pastors do that. 100%, right. Like, yeah. Like yeah. it's part of that because of oh. who we were listening to was like, man, God's going to meet you in the storm and he's going to fight yeah. you about. It. And like, not that they're even saying things that are inherently wrong as much as it's like there, there's context to that story. Yes. You yeah. Know? There's just, I, again, you can, you can say nothing wrong but you're still not doing it right. I think like it for me, at least my heart was, it was about that. It was about proclaiming it in this animated storytelling way. But even I think one day you can get there confidently and do that with the right posture. But here's how I knew I wasn't is because deep down though, I was like, but don't ask me questions about who these people are or where they came from or how it's part of the bigger story. And so the whole time it was out of an insecurity to cover my lack of knowledge. Mm -hmm. And it was about, let me be charismatic and let me be funny to distract you. So you're like walking away feeling like you're going to charge hell with a water pistol mm -hmm. and you're really motivated to go share this with someone. But if, if a skeptic came down front and like asked me, I would be like, um, let me take you to a wiser 
man and show you humility. Yeah. And it's like, no, I should be fully <laughs> able to defend and, and, and yeah. tell. And especially and it's out of a defense of don't ask me about me. Right. You know, it's like, I'm going to, I'm going to push you this so that I can keep me back here. Right. And not only like the lack of knowledge, cause I think at some level it's still there. Like you can still kind of BS yeah. a lot of answers, but it's like, don't ask me how, how I'm living yeah. in response to this. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. it's like, a, that's what I think I did in, in a lot of the application. I mean, like same thing, not, not necessarily how I would apply it to my own life. How could I help others apply it to theirs? Or how could I try to make people think they should apply it to theirs? Yeah. So, but I mean, a good way, to, a good place to start for like a, for a new Christian, I think, read the book of John, understand who Jesus is, uh, take it in slow chunks. Don't feel like you have to read. Don't feel like you have to spend an hour. Read five minutes. Read until until you're like, oh, that that's new to me, and meditate again. Meditate on it and start slow, but read John uh, and understand what Jesus did uh, for the world and uh, and and who he was, and then. Read I, and again, I would read a proverb a day. There's 31 proverbs, and each month, typically except for February, has like 30, 31 days. You can read one proverb each day, and the proverbs is very application driven. Mm-hmm. And you can you can just like read it and be like, okay, I can't, I'm, I shouldn't gossip today. That reminds me not to gossip, or that reminds me not to look at an adulterous woman, or that reminds me, you know, uh, for w- whatever it is. There's tons of application mm-hmm. in proverbs, so. Um, that's where I, I mean I still do that. I, I still almost read a proverbs a day, yeah. uh, just because it's such a helpful, uh, just pithy statements. So. Yeah, I think here's what I re- was revealed in my heart these last ten months is I even. So what's funny is okay to no longer feel like a fraud, but to continue to get to use my gifts, I'm going to go learn more and get more knowledge, so I can keep being this charismatic guy that can tell scripture in a really fun way. But then now I look like a man of not only charisma, but character, because when people come up and question my knowledge, I'll have the knowledge still a pursuit though, for my own glory. And that's what happens when you read the Bible, especially when you study it in its entirety is you are humbled. And so I'm walking away going, I, I even masked wanting to have more knowledge with a secret desire for my own benefit. And when you just read this, like I was just journaling and reflecting on what I actually walked away with this year. And it was about the condition of my heart and how sick it is. And that's what I walked away with. Of like, no, it's not the condition of my mind knowing more. It's not the condition of my body and its gifts. It's about the condition of my heart where nothing is good. And that was like the reality of even having to teach Romans at the end of the year of just Romans three, just making the case that no one is righteous. No one seeks God. We don't even know how to, that's how wicked we are. And that's how much of a problem we are. And that's what reading the Bible did is it, it changed my heart to stop trying to prove something and stop trying to be something. I'm not, I'm, I'm wicked and I'm sick and I need to make everything about God who redeems that. And, in, the, in terms of like the pursuit of knowledge and institute, like a story I kept going back to was John five where the Pharisees are, you know, Jesus just healed a guy on the Sabbath and they're like, how dare you? And mm-hmm. they're trying to get him to trip up. Like you think it's lawful to heal on the, heal on the Sabbath and what's up with that. And he proclaims that he, his authority as the son of God. And then he just tells them 
in verse 39, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. And that's what I learned in my pursuit of learning like in the scriptures is what you see. What I did not know was the Old Testament had Jesus in it. I thought he didn't come on the scene until the New Testament. Jesus is very present in all of the scriptures. And so you never can make the scriptures about you because you see that it's always been about God's plan for you despite your sin from the very beginning. And it humbles you. So Jesus is just saying to the Pharisees, what he said to me this year is like, you're going to search the scriptures thinking that in this knowledge, you're going to have more life and feel like less of a fraud up there. But until you see that the scriptures point to me, they always have. That's the only way you get freedom up there is because now it's no longer about you and your knowledge or your charisma or anything. It's only about you being sick and me saving you. And it's such, it's so crazy how the basics are everything. It's like, yeah, you learn that from the beginning, Romans three twenty three, all have sinned. Like you learn all that, but that's, it is the basics are everything and we forget the basics. Yeah. And there, there really is a real, I never really understood the quote by CS Lewis. Like when he says like the, like I, I see Christianity, like I see the sun, like not because I see it, but by all things I, by through it, I see everything. Mm-hmm. I was like, I get what he's saying, but I don't really understand that until like a last, like three years was like, Oh, like God really reveals like the simplicity of what we've known our whole life to like, Oh, there's application to that. And like, I didn't really ever understand that, you know, like, and now I'm starting to see how that applies to everything I do. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. so for you guys, I want to shift to kind of, you touched on a little bit, JD and I think Cooper, I think you, you got some, some stuff to say on it. Um, but just like that culture that wants to constantly project ourselves into the story of the Bible of like, this is like, you're David and this is your Goliath and you're going to fight it. And it's like, yeah, kind of, but like, no, nah, not really. Yeah. You know, like, like we can learn from the attributes and traits of David, but there's maybe not a specific Goliath in your life that God's like, you know, you're going to sling your stone and, and take it over. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's how it's kind of being taught. But I even if right you now. do, you're going to then also be David with Bathsheba yeah, exactly. and David with everything else. <laughs> and so it's like, yeah, you're David, Yeah, like, <laughs> but like take the yeah. whole package, you let your victory then get to your head and then you go make a huge mistake, yeah. which means you're not enough. I'm sorry. Sorry. No, no, anyway. that's great. Um, <laughs> But how do you, so like how, how should people be weary of like some of the people they are listening to some of the most prominent people and we don't have to talk about names or anything. Um, but some of the most prominent people out there are teaching that, that Bible, not calling people almost as if like, like back in the day they used to not let people learn how to read because it it gave the person that knew how to read some inherent value. Mm -hmm. So they're not really teaching their congregation the Bible because then they have some inherent value. Because it's like, well, they have to come to me now to know what it says. And mm-hmm. um, so there's not a lot of people calling people to actually go out and feed and eat and do the things that Watermark has called you guys to and the things that you guys have learned. Um, so one, how can people be kind of weary of, of some of the teaching that's out there maybe? Um, and and I, I mean, Cooper, you don't have to say names, but I know you've probably seen behind the veil some with some of the bigger name people. Um, but just like, what are some kind of, where, sh- where should people tread lightly, I guess? Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think that everything that you hear, test it with God's word, right? Like, again, it, it all goes back to if you aren't if you aren't feeding yourself, like if you don't root yourself in God's word, understand uh, the gospel and understand that there's this narrative that's being told in the Old Testament and there's in through Acts really, it's like a narrative of like what has God done with these people 
and there's different characters in there. And so like when we don't we don't watch the Avengers and we're like, you're Thor. Yeah. You can pick up a hammer that no one else can pick up. Like that's not the story, right? But can we watch the Avengers and see like the redemption, see the uh, self-sacrifice, see the all those different pieces of the story like and learn from it? Yes. And I'm not equating Avengers with scripture, but yeah. like there is things we can learn from the life of David. There's things we can learn from the life of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. Like there's there's principles throughout scripture that remain the same because God is the same. And the story is about God's pursuit of man, not uh, not how man does these things so that they can work themselves to God. Right. That's what J.D. said is that's what we see the whole time is that they think that's what's getting them there. And it's not. It's God. It's God's pursuit of man the whole time. And so that's the lens that you have to read scripture through. It's not, I don't know what the term is. I want to say like projection hermeneutics where you're like projecting yourself into the story. And so reading scripture, the word hermeneutics is just like a, it's, you have to have a hermeneutic of how you read scripture, a consistent way of reading it. And so there's different hermeneutics and you have to have the right one. And there's not one that humans have that's a hundred percent accurate, but there's some that are better than others. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when you project yourself into a story and be like, I'm David, you're not right. Like mm-hmm. that's the famous Matt Chandler is like, yeah. you're not David. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so again, there are principles that we can learn, but we have to, you know, have older, wiser, trustworthy men who know God's word, who, who rightly divide the word of truth that we can ask questions of. And then ultimately like one day we're going to be those people. And so ask those questions now, but like take notes and learn and like remember and keep running those things back through your head. It's like, okay, because one day there's going to be people and it's sooner than you think that they're going to be asking you those questions. And mm-hmm. you have to be able to say, no, 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 you're not David. You're, there, there's not a Goliath in your life, right? But yes, can you trust God through circumstances and believe that he is bigger than what you're currently going through? Yes, like you can you can take that principle and apply it to today. But that the story is not about you conquering like say your Goliath is debt. Mm-hmm. You have a hundred thousand dollars worth of debt. God's not just gonna give you a victory over debt because he gave David a victory over Goliath. Like mm-hmm. that's just a story. It happened <laughs> and God used it to show his character and to show how we should trust him. And so yeah, I mean it just all that to say be wary of people who uh, in interject and make the story about them and not about God because it's not about them. And, uh, and it's just dangerous when you try to make it about you. So, yeah, I would say in identifying a voice that you should follow, a voice that you should listen to, like always put them next to God's word and what we see. And like, I would say Paul's words are such great. Like it's like a, it's like a interview for your pastor. It's like where you can go and go, is he doing this? And if not, I probably should go. And, uh, I, I love Jesus referring to himself as the good shepherd. Um, it it just talks about how the sheep know the voice of the shepherd, the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And we know, we know the, if you know God's word, like if you know scripture, if you know his voice, then it, the only way you can hear someone who's not 
in line with his voice is to know his voice. And so it's easy to be, um, it's easy to follow wolves if you don't know what your shepherd looks like, what he talks like, what he sounds like. And so my first thing I would say is so many people focus on those pastors and try to question their heart and their intentions. It's like where, where I think your focus should be on God's heart. And it's like, if I am so equipped to know God's heart and his voice, then it becomes less about them. It's just quickly. So like you see it so clearly and you're like, okay, that's not the voice of, of my shepherd. I'm going to go. And it, and then you just pray for them. And that that's like, that's been, I have changed immensely towards people like that where, where my heart used to be against them. Now it breaks for them. And I want to be their friend where I used to want, I used to be like, get away from me. It's like, actually what they did is they breathed insecurity in me because deep down at one part of my life, I used to want to be them, Mm -hmm. maybe not be them how they were doing it. Some people are, I mean, they are extra with it. (laughs) But what I mean is like, I wanted a voice to my generation like they had. And I wanted to use my gifts as freely as they were getting to. And so because of that envy, anytime that you're envious, it's so easy to point, like you point out and that thing just showed more wickedness of my heart. And so I started to point in. And so my encouragement to the people would be like, Hey, focus on your walk. Keep, keep reading God's word, stay hungry, stay humble and, and, and let God, they're going to have to give an account. And so focus on your flock, on your ministry. And make sure that when they listen to you, they're hearing the voice of the shepherd. They're getting pointed to the voice of the shepherd. And folk, if we would all just focus on our flocks, I think it would be a healthier system. And so when doing that, Second uh, Timothy 4 says, Paul says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of evangelists, and fulfill your ministry." I think that is such a clear paragraph in scripture that you can walk into every setting where it's a one to many communicator and go, is he preaching that mm-hmm. is if your pastor's life looks like dandelions and roses and they have health and wealth and they're telling you, you can, have, if there's no evidence of suffering and hardship and mess and rebuking and reproving and exhorting, if it's all motivation, encouraging, go get more, live a blessed life, there's a problem. Like it's so contradicting to God's word. And I would say if your leaders have no sign of suffering in their life, that's what I really took away from studying the New Testament of the assurance of suffering and hardship and messy situations. That's what ministry is. And if they're telling you something different, that's not, that's just not the Bible I'm reading. And so were those things, it says with itching ears, we're looking for teachers, my, my flesh, it's naturally drawn to people that are itching my ears. Tell me how 
pretty I am and Mm -hmm. how gifted I am and how much God wants me to do great things for the world. And if that's, if I'm doing nothing but feeling good and motivated, I probably probably need to check myself. Mm -hmm. And that's what I really appreciate what you said before we even recorded is that what you said, what drew you to watermark is you walked away always feeling challenged. And that's what the word does. And that's what watermarks preaching is the word is it challenges you. It corrects you. It convicts you. If you're not feeling heavy conviction, man, it's like, I don't want to walk away feeling good. And like someone just tickled me with, I don't know, (laughs) fruits of the spirit or something. (laughs) I was reading, I was looking for this quote the whole time right there, but I I saw it the other day of Charles Spurgeon where he's just, he says, essentially, I'm going to butcher it, but uh, like, truth if if something is massive and widely accepted it's probably not true yeah right because truth is not popular it never has been mm-hmm. the guy who came and spoke the most truth ever jesus was crucified mm-hmm. right and so if you like if you see someone that is just like constantly being thrown out by people who you're like how, how did like if i I can't remember who said this, but it's like if a Buddhist agrees with, if they can come to your sermon and sit in it and agree with it, or a Jewish person even can come and agree with it. Like you have not preached the gospel. You have not preached the truth. You have preached a feel good motivational message with maybe the story, right? That is in the Bible. And so those are people you want to be wary of is, uh, and there's also some big churches that are doing it well. Like watermark is a big church. And I think that we're, teaching God's word well and accurately. Um, but I mean, it, Watermark also doesn't have the same platform that these other huge churches are getting through social media and like they're not being reposted over and over and over and over. And mm-hmm. and I hope we are one day because I want the truth to get out there. But uh, truth just isn't popular. And and if, if people are widely accepting the random things you're saying, like I would check, like uh, if I would just have a check in my spirit where I'd be like, okay, hold on. <laughs> Yeah. Like that guy is not a Christian. I know him. I know what he does. And uh, he is accepting everything I'm saying. So I'm, <laughs> I need to rethink how I'm saying it because the gospel is offensive and truth isn't popular, mm. you know? So, so good. I think too, like one of the threads that you guys both had um, Coop, with you, it was like, man, um, one day you're going to be the guy that people are asking questions to. Like, what are you doing now? So that when people ask you those questions, you have answers that are sound in biblical truth, right? Mm-hmm. Is it Psalm 199? Mm-hmm. How does a young man uh, keep yeah. so pure? Right. And so (laughs) we had to memorize that one. I was like, do I know it? Yeah. (laughs) Um, And so that, and then JD, you're saying like, I think one of the ways I relate to what you said is it's like, man, sometimes you gotta have people in your life that know the voice of God and have heard the voice of God in order to decipher the voice of God in your own life. Right. Like, and, and to look in the word and see what it is and to have people point you to certain things that are like, Hey, no, the Bible actually says this. Um, and I think I'm reminded of uh, Eli and Samuel of like, right, when like when God was calling to Samuel, like he kept going to Eli because that was the voice he was used to. And then Eli finally was like, oh, no, 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 the Lord is calling you, you know. Mm-hmm. So there was a man in his life that was like, no, 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 ask, like, speak, Lord, your servant listens. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what being a young person right now, like how what is the importance of pursuing God in your youth outside of the fact that Solomon kind of capstoned his writing with it? Um, I mean, what have you guys seen? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think your youth is when you have the most time, your brain is the sharpest and you, you just have uh, the most energy and availability to like serve and learn. And so I think it's very important for that reason, because God has just like given us by and large health at this age. 
and uh, and we have opportunity. And so I think it's just like, man, just be a good steward of where you're at in your life, A. And then also, you're not promised tomorrow, right? Like our life is a vapor. And, um, you know, there's a quote by J.C. Ryle that says, or sorry, no, this is uh, Augustine, I think. He says, um, God always promises forgiveness to your repentance, but doesn't promise tomorrow to your uh, procrastination. So um, it's just like, hey, if you repent tomorrow, God's going to forgive you, right? Like he's a God of and never-ending grace, but he's not saying that you're going to make it to tomorrow, right? If you're procrastinating, like today is the day. Uh, J.C. Ryle says tomorrow is the devil's day, mm-hmm. right? Like I'll, if he can just convince you, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow, you know? Almost lost my voice. Uh, like if I'll, um, if I'll, I'll start reading, I'll start my discipline tomorrow. I'll stop looking at pornography tomorrow. This is the last time, or this tomorrow will be the first time. Whatever it is, that's the devil just trying to convince you not today. Don't do it today, mm-hmm. right? And so, uh, as a young person, don't let the devil win that battle, right? Like discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. I mean, go read First and Second Timothy if you want to see why it's important for a young person to pursue God now is because, you know, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. But uh, what is the end of that verse? So I'm about to read. <laughs> you read it. There okay, you yeah. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say First Timothy 4. Uh, if you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, which is what we should want to be. Um, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity, until I come, devote yourselves to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy. We'll, we won't get all that right now. But <laughs> um, I think for me, it's like I love that he like gave the nuance of like bodily training. Like, I mean, looking at you, Quinn, like something <laughs> you definitely care about. Yeah, and if you guys um, can see me too. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> us athletes. <laughs> um, you know, LeBron, I hope you're listening. Um, so I think we're bodily. He's like... a. B- you know, he's talking to young people and he knows it. He's like, so where bodily training is of some value, like it's good to treat your body as the temple and to like steward it well. It's the gift that God's given you, but it's nothing compared to how much you should emphasize, especially in your youth, training yourself for godliness. Because these are the most formative years of your life. The decisions you make now will impact who you're going to be in 10, 20, 30 years. And your ministry only matters more because it becomes not only about you, but about your bride or about your husband, about your kids, your disciples, the, your leadership and the people you're impacting. And so while you're while you have this, Paul in First Corinthians seven talks about it being a unique, um, undistracted time of devotion to the Lord. Don't waste it. Don't make it all about Instagram, getting fit, dieting, um, self-care. Like the, you, if you want to care for yourself, care for your soul and and use these years where it's like you're, you're never going to get these young, youthful years back where you're undistracted the way you are now. And you mask it with like, I'm so busy. And no, you're not. You're watching all of Riverdale on Netflix. <laughs> so like put away Riverdale and start, you know, training yourself in godliness. Mm-hmm. And 
I didn't, I'm, I'm preaching to myself. I had to remind myself of this, that there's never going to be a season in my life where I get to lay such a solid foundation to build upon for the rest of my life. And if you don't do that now, you're going to make decisions that you regret because your, your life is so tossed to and fro mm-hmm. by the storms. It's only going to get harder mm-hmm. and things are only going to matter more. And so it's like, just don't waste it. And yeah. that's what I'm trying to do. You can't, I mean, you can't build a house without a foundation. And so it's, and, and if you have any desire to follow Christ or follow God, like don't, why wait, you know, why wait? I would go listen to uh, the church leaders podcast. There's one, that they talk about, uh, I think it's called importance of your twenties. And, uh, and it's, it's my dad just talking about how kind of he built his foundation in his twenties. Cause he got, he got saved late in his teen years and then went to college. And that's when he really got serious about his faith. And so, uh, start laying that foundation because yeah, you, if you have any desire to follow God, like you're gonna, you're gonna have to do it eventually and you're not promised tomorrow. Hmm. And so uh, I would do it, do it now. Mm-hmm. That's so good. So real quick, uh, I want to talk about this more, but we kind of took some rabbit trails, which were really good. Um, <laughs> so the Watermark Institute, like if people are listening to you guys and they're like, man, like I want to know the word, like these guys know the word. I want to, I want to uh, know proper context, know the content of the Bible, read it cover to cover with people. I can mm-hmm. ask questions. Um, if, if they want to be a part or do something uh, with the Watermark Institute, first of all, what is it? And second of all, how can they apply? How can they be a part of it? Yeah. I mean, I, so I would say that um, you should absolutely do it. I think that it's a uh, it's an incredible way to, to learn God's word cover to cover. You learn theology. You learn the story. And uh, like J.D. said, more than anything, if you ask any of the 41 people who went through it with us this year, I think everyone would say, and they say to you on the first day, the goal of this is not for you to get knowledge. It's for you to love God more. Right. And I think that is what, yes, we've learned a lot, but I think all of us, our hearts have changed and, um, you get to do it in the context of community. You get practical ministry experience with a healthy church. Um, you get world-class teaching, you get free housing, at least for now. So don't hold me to that if they ever change it. Uh, COVID-19. Yeah. And, um, and you get to live again, like even in, in the free housing, you get to live with people who are pursuing the same thing as you running the same speed. One thing I love about the Institute is they pair you on a team. And so everything input is getting output. Like they're like, they're like, you're not interns. You're not just these like students in this classroom. That's like the, they are, they always say we're a teaching hospital and the best way to teach is to do. Mm-hmm. And so you get put on a team and for 10 months you are considered a staff member at Watermark doing things at that team. I mean, we were running (laughs) big things (laughs) as students like Cooper directing a launched college ministry from the ground up. Um, I had my hands in different things and, and it's just like, I, I think it's so important that that's where I would say seminary is a good thing (laughs) where I would push back against seminary is a lot of guys get out and they have all this, paper writing skills and head knowledge. And they're like, but I didn't know how to handle when someone walks up to me and starts telling me how I'm wrong for thinking that women can't preach in church. Or, I mean, and they may know that, but they have no idea how to love that person through it. Right. Right. They don't know how to, if someone walks up and says, I'm going to, I'm going to kill myself or I just had an abortion or I'm going to have an abortion. Watermark, the Institute program is equipping you every day to get those opportunities. Like we have a pastor on calls, you know, which is just like if somebody walks up to the church 
uh, and says, hey, I need to talk to somebody. There's an assigned staff member and almost without fail, they take someone from the residency to be like, sit in this conversation. Yeah. This person wants money. This person, again, like all the situations I just you said. You ever watched Grey's Anatomy? I haven't. No. You haven't? You're like in the medical world. I know, right? I've been well, called McDreamy, but I've never watched that. Oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> I've never been called that. But but, well, but yeah. I go to school in Seattle, so it's okay, like the, the topic out there. Yeah, the point is, it's like it's a teaching hospital. Like yeah. that's the whole point. And I always think about Watermark when I see those. I'm not uh, endorsing Grey's Anatomy, but I think back. I watched them in college, uh-huh. and they – you know, the interns and then the residents and then the fellows and then the surgeons. And like, it's like exactly how it is. There's yeah. residents and there's fellows. And that's why they call it that, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like you, it's like just like a surgeon is sitting there and you are the resident holding open that body and they're working on the heart. That's what kind of is happening. It's like you are, you are holding open this like conversation and then you're watching your teacher work on their heart. And then the next time they're saying, now you work on the heart. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, so it, it's really, it's a really cool parallel. I love that they do it like that. You don't feel like interns mm-hmm. and you, you feel like you're a part of, you are on staff at a church and a part of what God has called the church to be. And then, but I would say this, if you can't, if you're like, man, I just, circumstances vary. I think that Watermark Institute uh, does a lot of things that are accessible to you. I know one thing that was super helpful that I didn't even know existed before this was the uh, Bible Project videos mm-hmm. that are all available on YouTube, Genesis all the way to Revelation. And so you can just go type in uh, Bible Project Exodus, and you're going to get an entire overview of the book of Exodus. And if they draw it all out, it's really yeah, cool it's and animated. And I didn't even know that. And so it's like, sit down, study Genesis, how do you study it on your own? You should buy the ESV study Bible. It's what, it's what they, they purchased for all of us. And a, a study Bible, I think so many people try to study the Bible with just a Bible. And I, I did that. And I can't believe I got as far as I did because you're not, there's nothing informing you about, hey, here's what this means. Mm-hmm. And so study Bibles are so helpful where I'm like, okay, I don't really know what this scripture means. And then you just go down to the footnotes and it's like, okay, Romans 3.20. Go down, Romans 2.20. Here's what this Paul is probably speaking of. Here's where he was. Here's why it was influenced by this. And it's so it's so helpful. So if you study Genesis with a study Bible and then watch that video, you're, I mean, you are on a well way on. If you do that for the entire Bible of knowing your Bible. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, it's really, it's one of those things where it's like, if you can do it, sign up. Applications open up every fall for the following year, sign up and do it. Go look uh, into it more at watermark.org forward slash institute, I believe. <laughs> I think that's right. Yeah. <laughs> and it. if not, go to Google and type in Watermark Institute. Yeah. Um, and and the video, honestly, it's a little outdated. I wish they would update it. I put that in my feedback. Um, but Classic but creative. Blake Holmes, <laughs> if you're listening to this. Uh, but yeah, I mean, do if it if Blake you Blake Holmes it. listens to this and makes it this far, We've done our job. Yep, that is so <laughs> right. So, yeah. No way. He dropped out at the highlighter method. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So, yeah, I would say do it if you can do it. But if not, start there. Sweet, man. Yeah, I think I've heard DMARF say that he would replace a seminary degree with an ESV study Bible. Like, that's <laughs> hilarious. Yeah. yeah. I mean, again, seminary is great. And, and we do, the, guy, the guys who've taught us have gone through seminary. Yeah. You know, both of them. Yeah. And all three of them. And, uh, they just are like, man, semin- like what, what they said, what JD said earlier is seminary is serves its purpose. Mm. Uh, but a lot of times you don't get the practical ministry experience. And that's what Watermark's trying to provide is like, 
hey, we want to we want to equip you. Give me somebody. JP. I mean, JP never went to seminary. Yeah. He doesn't even have a college degree. Uh, and he is one of the, I mean, one of the leading voices in our generation now, I think. And so, um, you don't need a seminary degree and, but again, it serves its purpose. I think there will be some people from our class who go, you get like 12 to 25 hours of seminary credit, depending on where you choose afterwards. And, uh, but, but you don't need it. You need to spend time in God's word and spend time loving people. And that's what Watermark tries to provide. So. so good, man. Love it. Thank you guys so much for sitting down. Um, yeah. If people are like, man, I like these guys. Where can they find you, follow you, hear more about you, <laughs> from you? Um, they can email me <laughs> at JD Rogers, R-O-D-G-E-R-S, at watermark.org. <laughs> and that's it. That, no, we both have Instagrams. Just search JD Rogers or Cooper Wagner. I'm sure it'll come up. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I don't. I actually don't know if there's another Cooper Wagner out there. So you'll probably find me. Oh. Or I mean, you'll see JD stuff on the porch at the porch. Yep. Um, you'll see mine at the Nine Dallas, and uh, those are kind of the ministries that we run in. Okay. So love it, guys. Encouraged by you. Thanks so much for doing this, guys. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. Hey, guys, hope that you're encouraged by that. Cooper and JD, just such solid dudes. Uh, really just loved and enjoyed getting to spend some time with them and get to see how God's working in their hearts and in their lives. Hey, one of the main reasons we did this episode, one of the things that we really wanted to get across was, hey, if you're looking for ministry training, if you're looking for uh, maybe a way to get to know your Bible more, if you're not sure where you're headed in life and you feel like God might be calling you or pulling you towards ministry, the Watermark Institute is an incredible, incredible opportunity for people from all walks of life to apply to um, and, and get further training that maybe don't want to devote the full amount of time to a seminary degree or anything like that. Uh, you should really go check it out. Reach out to Cooper or JD if you have any questions about it. They'd be more than happy to answer those questions and help you down that road. Uh, but yeah, man, if you have a year or if you have some time where you just really feel like God is calling or pulling you towards ministry, we couldn't encourage you more to take a step in that direction man we just we couldn't be more encouraged by watermark and all that they're doing and just the way that they steward what god has given them so yeah hey guys go check out new ethics formulations we're so also encouraged by them and just so thankful for them and their partnership with us head to newethics.com and use the code known k-n-o-w-n for 15 percent off of any supplement of your choice if you have the time and you're willing and just take 30 seconds to a minute to leave a rating or a review, uh, that just helps us get the resource in more people's hands. And we'd be so grateful for that. So thank you guys for listening. Thank you for all that you do. Uh, let me just pray out. Lord, I pray for all these people that are listening. I pray for the ministry of uh, what Cooper and JD are doing in their lives and how you're shaping them. Uh, I pray for all the individuals here that are just wondering uh, what God has on their life. What call do they have for them? How can they be more disciplined? How can they be more diligent in their walk and in their faith with God? And I just pray that JD and Cooper's vulnerability, honesty, and transparency spoke to that and just helped them maybe uh, take a step and move forward towards more of what you have called them into. Uh, I pray if, if ministry something and training is something that's been on these people's hearts, that they would reach out that they would apply, that they would be a part of the Watermark Institute. Uh, just so many good things coming out of that church, which is such a great, healthy, biblical expression of what the church should be. So we're grateful for them. We're grateful for all these people, Lord. We pray over their lives and just ask that you would be in them, that you would be the number one part of them, Lord. And so we're grateful for you, thankful for you. In your name we pray. Amen. <laughs>